Hello and welcome to the Game Theory Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Fazzini. We're presented by The Athletic. Today on the show, Matthew Penny is in the building. Matt, where in the world is Matthew Penny right now? I don't know. I, I woke up the, the last hotel I was in and I went to the window and I, I looked outside and said, I, I don't know where I was. I was in Texas. Now I'm in the outskirts of Indianapolis waiting for the UAA finals Friday, Saturday, Sunday that I'm done. It's about time to be done. We have our championship. I just FaceTimed my son. He said, da home now. That is the siren. That means it's, it's, it's time to start packing up. Not quite. We, we got to crown a champion or two, but we're, we're certainly trending the direction of it, it's time to pack the bags. See, this is why I can't have children, because like if my son told <laughs> yeah, that's, me that, that's, that's, I'd be like, it, yeah. okay, yeah. I'm home. See you guys. Yeah. Bye. You, you, you do the best you can. We had breakfast for it, left, went out. There's FaceTime. He's eating a cookie, but it's like, yeah, you're going home. I said, I'm uh, setting up a podcast. He's like, all right, good. You can do a podcast. Other than that, you got to be back here. This is this is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, okay, so we're going to talk a little bit about the NBA draft. At some point, I'm going to talk about the Bucks winning the title. I'll try and get Eric Name on at some point. If Name will have me, I haven't even talked to him about this yet. So, Eric, if you're listening, <laughs> please come on the podcast. Uh, DMs are open. DMs are open, Eric. Uh, we're going to do a mock draft today, specifically. And then next week, Penny and I are going to do is our pre-draft show. We're going to do uh, basically like a best bets thing for the nba draft where there are over under draft position spots like like right now like i saw yesterday on points bet that james book Knight's over under was nine and a half Ooh, that's whatever i i can't remember ever if it's over or under in, in terms of you bet on him to go six through eight something in that range but i, I would take whatever it is to say goes six through eight right under. on james book Knight right now yeah Agreed. There's there's, so, a few, there's a few really swing ones though that will be dicey. Well, well, we'll see what kind of shapes up the next week. Yeah, no question. So we're gonna do that. We're gonna have a good time talking about uh, over unders and best bets and all that stuff. So today we're gonna do our back and forth Matthew Penny and I mock draft. This will be different than you know what we think is gonna happen. This is literally just us doing what we would do. And that's different, obviously, than what we think is going to happen. I want to be very clear. This is not what we think is going to happen on draft night. I've said it three times now. Please do not uh, do not aggregate this because there have already been some strange aggregations that have happened uh, over the course of the last week with some of my work. So, Penny. Right. How are you feeling about this draft heading in to we're a week out now? This is Thursday, uh, American time. It's it's a very uneven playing field for the two of us because you just wrote a 140,000-word opus on background, intel, game. So I, I feel like you're a few steps ahead of me right now. <laughs> I have yeah. four or five bullet points. You have three pages on each guy. Beyond that, I, I was actually sitting and looking at my board today. Moved around a couple guys, but really no major swings. I've, I've kind of wrapped my head around where I have projected guys to to go and to be and there's no no huge i, I guess shifts in where I, i've placed guys since the combine and some intel that kind of trickled out after that and same thing with workouts yeah it, it was frustrating like i kept moving guys around i had to make my editors so frustrated to deal with me uh in the middle of them trying to bring together that board right that entire beautiful draft guide that like Shout out 
uh, Tyler Batiste, Greg Rosenstein, um, you know, Lindsay Wisniewski, Damon Sales, Adrian Guzman, who did the design. Fantastic. Uh, like everyone involved at the athletic, including the people who run the athletic, who like let me do these weird things right it's like not, right it's it's, it's it, but it's not weird it's very well received and this feels like the the piece that people look forward to each year and you deserve to have your your moment your oscar acceptance speech thank you to people that that actually make it happen too yeah i don't care about the oscar acceptance speech i just want people to like know <laughs> that these people did well yeah like i stuff. and i'm so appreciative of them uh for having gone down that road so Man, it's. Uh, <laughs> I, I, did, I made a mistake, Penny, this morning. I read the comments. Oh, uh, you got to do it. You got to do it. I, I saw there's a lot of traction on the, the original draft guide post. It, it felt, when I looked at it, and I'm sure a lot has changed the last, I don't know, 12 hours or so, but felt fairly positive. And even people in the head disagreement said, I don't disagree with your picks, but I agree with your process. So that yeah. has to at least be somewhat enlightening rather than just yell at you in capital letters about why Alperin Shangun is eighth. Yeah, and then I've got some random guy yelling at me about Isaiah Todd uh, because Chad Ford, who changes his draft rankings every you know week seemingly and changes them after the draft happens, has them between 20 and 40. And then Kevin O'Connor has them 21. Great. Kevin does the work. Like I, I don't complain about what Kevin has. Right. That's cool. Kevin should do his work. Kevin's great. Kevin's like one of the nicest people I think I've ever met in my life. But I don't really care where Kevin has them. You know what I mean? Like it, sure. it's just not. It's not a smart process for me to care about where other people have someone ranked. I just care about where I have them ranked. And I don't really think Isaiah Todd is very good. But uh, having said that, my guy Ricardo here <laughs> says. Uh, Let's see. I watched every Ignite game the whole way through. No cherry picking. I saw what he was good at, what he needed to work on, and who he played against. What he was able to do against that level of competition. It's remarkable for a kid straight out of high school. These are guys that won an NBA championship ring this week who played against the Ignite this season. Oh, no. It's unreal and a clear sign of bias to have him so low. If you think he's 53, you need a new job. I've played sports. (laughs) Wait. I've played sports, and I came up with guys who played NBA overseas and NFL and won championships with some of them. Your analysis is the work of someone who's never done any of that. Shout out, Ricardo. Good day, man. sir. Good day, I, Ricardo. I, I had an Isaiah Todd joke save for when we were done with the lottery just because there was that report he was only focusing on lottery teams. If he is, fantastic. Great. More power to him. There's yeah. guys that are they're got to move up. It's we've, we've said it a million times. One team has to fall in love. Maybe they see it. I personally didn't see it in the G League Ignite. I liked him. I didn't think it was great to start. I thought he improved. I thought he ended yeah. stronger than he started. I don't see him as a first-round guy. Nothing personal. I'm sure it's the same with you. And unfortunately for Ricardo, it has become personal. So, Ricardo, yeah. I, I, I hope you've, you've found happiness. And I hope that uh, maybe sleeps slips on the first round. Who knows? Good for him. The kid does. We're not, not rooting against him. If it happens, well, great. First and foremost to ricardo congrats on playing sports i mean good job uh second i mean yeah i hope isaiah sees it i hope he sees this man good job you you fought the fight uh okay so let's do some fun stuff and talk first overall pick the detroit pistons i have some concerns that they may or may not take Cade cunningham 
I'm going to be selecting Cade Cunningham at number one. Just so people know, we go back and forth on these things. I'm going to go first this time because Penny went first last time. I'll get one, three, five, seven, nine, eleven. Penny will get two, four, six, eight, ten on down the list. And we will break down these prospects very briefly. At number one, I'm taking Cade Cunningham. I think he's the very clear, like, number one player in this draft. He's my only tier one player. Uh, he's the only tier one player I've had in the last two drafts. I would have had Zion in tier one in the last uh, in the 2019 draft. And then I would have had DeAndre Ayton and Luka in tier one in 2018. Just for reference on like how elite you have to be in order to get that tier one status. Uh, Cade Cunningham is unbelievable. He's one of the most complete prospects to have entered the NBA draft that I can remember. Uh, there isn't really a hole in his game. Like people will point to the turnovers without bringing up the context of Oklahoma State not having any shooters on the team that made over 33% from three. People will bring up the high handle, which sure, like I guess I'm comfortable with saying that he has a bit of a high handle, but it's going to get fixed throughout the course of his career because he's still a teenager. Uh, it feels like people are picking nits with Cade Cunningham uh, in a way that is typical of a pre-draft process with a clear number one player. And I hope that for the Pistons' sake, they go down the road of simply just taking Cade Cunningham because he is going to be an NBA All-Star, and those guys are good to draft. (laughs) Yeah, it's a good start. I don't know what else there really is to say beyond what we have for Kate, he's the guy he's a franchise building block everything fits the modern nba game and an extremely high floor as a prospect too and i know that just watching the games uh, i'm I'm a semi-basketball purist i don't necessarily need the highlights i know a lot of his stuff isn't like the sexiest from like a a highlight film perspective anyway slice it he's the guy 10 times out of 10 i have full confidence in, in Kate Cunningham being everything that that you outlined there and i i frankly just don't think it's a discussion no disrespect to everybody else k cunningham is a hard number one for me no i i totally agree like i i don't really understand that people think this is a conversation it is frankly bizarre to me but like and that's not a comment on guys like jalen green who are awesome evan mobley who's awesome my number two jalen suggs who i think is great I just think that, like, at the end of the day, it's hard to pass up on a guy that is a terrific scorer, as he showed this year, a terrific shooter, as he showed this year, a terrific passer, as he showed all throughout high school, uh, a good defender, an all-defense-level-ish defender in college, uh, in the Big 12. It's just kind of a no-brainer to me at the end of the day, but we will see what the Pistons do at number one. And on top of that... Cade Cunningham, like elite level character, no matter who you talk to, will say that he is just like absolutely pristine and is such a great guy to have around in the locker room, was such a great guy to have around the Oklahoma State offices. It's hard to speak more glowingly about a person and a player than Cade Cunningham. There is just no real room for um, error basically i'm glad you got to wax poetically a little bit about him because my friends even the kind of casual basketball fans who will tune into the pod to make fun of me after the fact they'll start off by let me guess you're going to talk about Cade cunningham today I said actually no i'm not sam we'll talk about him today <laughs> uh, he, he, he can be the one that heaps praise on him for uh, for the next hour or so 
Yeah, no, I think that that's right. Cade uh, is good. Hot take. Okay, Matthew Penny, you're up at number two. Who are you going to take for the Houston Rockets? This is where the conversation starts a lot for me anyway. I'm going to go for the Houston Rockets with Jalen Green. Okay. Jalen Green, I see him still as a star in the making, score from the wing position, high-level athlete, emerging playmaker in the half court. I really believe the defense is going to get there. Maybe we talked about Kate Cunningham as an extremely high floor. Jalen Green could maybe have the highest ceiling in the draft if he can put it all together. And we can split hairs about Evan Mobley, but there, there's some similarities there in terms of what levels they could reach. You mentioned a little bit in your Team Needs article, one of the, the million that you're pumping out here as we reach our last week before the draft. This is a best available type pick for Houston, too, despite what glaring needs may be. You can't worry positionally when you have a player of Jalen Green's magnitude on the board that you can select. You know, I agree. I, I think that's reasonable. I would take Jalen Suggs, personally. Uh, it, it was funny. Someone I was having a conversation with someone, and they brought up Kevin O'Connor, who, again, does great work. I really appreciate Kevin. Um they brought up who Kevin had comped Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs to, right? And he comped Jalen Green to, like, Zach Levine and Bradley Beal and someone else. And then he comped Jalen Suggs to Chauncey Billups and Brandon Roy and Jamal yep. Murray, I think, were the three. Yeah. And he basically was like, wait, if you think that Chauncey Billups – Brandon Roy and Jamal Murray are the comps for Jalen Suggs, and you think that Zach Levine and Bradley Beal are the comps for Jalen Green, why do you have Jalen Suggs below Jalen Green? Was kind of it's this NBA question. person's fit, like take. Uh, and that's kind of what I've been thinking the whole year. I actually agree with those comps quite a bit in terms of uh, like Kevin in his process, in terms of like who he... Uh, who he has compared these great prospects to, I would just rather have the Chauncey Billups, Brandon Roy kind of guy than the Bradley Beal, Zach Levine guy. I think that the Chauncey Billups, Brandon Roy guy tends to translate to winning more uh, at the NBA level, especially given that Jalen Suggs is like a much, much better passer and defender than Jalen Green. I think that guy translates to winning a little bit more in the NBA personally, even if, the Zach Levine, Bradley Beal guy tends to get like the All Star accolades, the uh, you know the notoriety, everything like that. Agree. I, I had Jalen Suggs second on my board. I, I kind of took in a little bit of the the Houston needs and, and availability and what they have and what they may try to do in free agency. The comps thing is difficult too because then when you you look at the comps and you look at your big board versus you're looking at a mock draft there there can be three different things there and it's fine it's finding the middle ground between all of them for your slot guys too yeah totally uh okay so number three is up now i mm. am very torn here because i uh, i do have jalen suggs and evan mobley two and three i understand the Cavs wanting a center and a centerpiece. I actually think that like Evan Mobley entering that situation would be a real positive for him because he would have Larry Nance to learn from. He would have uh, Darius Garland as a potential like pick and roll partner to be around long term. I still I 
so much of this like depends on like what the Cavs plan is. Like if the Cavs plan is okay, we're willing to move Colin Sexton, then yes, I'm I'm taking Jalen Green uh, Jalen Suggs. I'm sorry, I am taking Jalen Suggs because my plan at that point would be I would move Colin Sexton for whatever I could get. I would probably just sign Jared Allen and keep him with Larry Nance and just go from there. I think that Suggs is a potential star in the NBA. I think he's going to be a star in the NBA. I think Evan Mobley is going to be a star in the NBA too, but I think I can fill that center position void much easier than I can fill finding a superstar to play next to Darius Garland in the backcourt that actually fits exceptionally well with what Darius Garland is good and not good at as a player because both Jalen Suggs and Darius Garland can play on or off the ball because Garland, for people who don't know about Garland, like when he was coming up with Bradley Beal Elite in the AAU scene like early on in his life, he was playing off the ball. Like he's playing sure. more of like the two guard role. Um, he obviously has had to play off the ball a little bit with the Cleveland Cavaliers, although they use him a lot more on the ball. His ability to shoot and space the floor is ridiculous. He would really open up a lot of space, I think, for Jalen Suggs as a driver. Jalen Suggs' defensive upside, I think, would be tremendous on the perimeter next to someone in Garland that I think is not very good defensively at this point in his career. So I think it's harder to find the great compliment who does everything well to compliment Darius Garland in the backcourt than it is to find a do-everything center, even though that is hard to find. I'm not denying that for the Cavs. So I'm going to take Jalen Suggs over Evan Mobley. <laughs> I was waiting for the official thing. I was like, this, is this some thesis paper? In the end, he's going to take a, a swerve on me. I, I didn't know if it was going to be. I thought it was going to be Suggs. Uh, I, I slotted you to take Mobley, which kind of turns my next pick on its head. But I understand. I, I don't think you do it if you're going to keep Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. If you're committed to, to Colin Sexton, slide him in. It's a good fit, and that's why you have defensive wings and uh, Isaiah Coro. Sorry, and then you can build around the center position. I, I'm in the same mind frame of you draft the wings, you draft the guards first. So if, if Evan Mobley slides down to the fourth pick now, where where I have with Toronto. I don't. It seems that Raptors fans are rooting for Jalen Suggs slide. Do you get some a similar feeling for that? Just perusing the your Twitter timeline. I think they're more resigned to the fact that Evan Mobley is going uh, ahead of them. Because like, look at the end of the day, the reason so the they're, Raptors they're just trying to prove they love him. Well, the, the reason the Raptors ahead, didn't say that. <laughs> the reason the Raptors didn't make the playoffs this year is because they didn't have a center. True. So like. I, yeah, they, they need a center more than anything at the end of the day. So I, I think that the Raptors would take Evan Mobley if he is on the yes. board. Like, it, yes. let's let's say that something really dumb happens and Scotty Barnes goes number three in both Jalen Suggs and Evan Mobley are there for some godforsaken reason. I think they would take Evan Mobley over Jalen Suggs. Mm, yeah, I, I like the pairing, too, because you, you're right. They do have the hole there. And Ken Birch is serviceable, but it's it's obviously an upgrade when you have a guy like that. And Pascal Siakam next to him, I, I still am very high on, on Evan Mobley, and I think I've made that clear. He does a lot of things all over the court. Defensively, he's fantastic. Great second jump. Passes the ball really well. The jumper is, is okay. It's not bad. If you can stretch the floor, that'll really improve what he is as a prospect gets up and down the court it's just the strength too we, we need that to come around and if he goes forth and he puts the strength and the shooting and the defense i know it's a lot of ifs a lot of question marks if he puts that all together we could be laughing that he ended up going fourth in this draft 
And I'm also a touch curious in the, the recency bias world league we live in. And don't kill me over this. If this Giannis championship run has any GMs with visions in their head that maybe this guy could kind of be shades of this and needs to be traded as such. He's not Giannis, but like that's kind of like the crazy pine the sky upside. This could end up being here as the, the highest net result. Does that bump up his stock at all? Well, I'll be honest. Like, I think his game is probably closer to Giannis's than some of the other names that have been comped to him, right? Uh, he runs a ton of dribble handoffs. Like, he likes to isolate on the top of the key and then drive, like, left or right-handed, right? Um, you know, can run ball screen and roll, like, and then roll to the basket hard. He's just kind of, he's so multi-versatile and multi-talented at that size with the ability to ambidextrously handle the ball. He doesn't quite have the vision that Giannis does as a passer, but like he's a good passer. Um, I actually see that quite a bit. It's like almost if you stylistically, at least he's not, this as a player. I think he's going to fall in just like a step below these guys in terms of overall effectiveness. But stylistically, it's like if you combined Anthony Davis and Giannis a little bit, Holy like shit. he is yeah. <laughs> That's a good prospect. If we get those guys and if we like, get on the same strength and conditioning program that Giannis is in and the Giannis graphic turned into the and, and Anthony Davis from the year. Frankly, too. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, if he if he puts on thirty pounds and Giannis is a rookie versus championship Giannis ordering a fifty piece, uh, very different players and very different people. And, and Giannis really came out of his shell even more so, obviously this year. But as he developed more confidence in his game and his ability, Evan Mobley could get there, and, and he'll be kind of separated now from his brother, who's his teammate, his dad, who's assistant coach, and it'll be a little bit of uncertainty, but. He does have the the opportunity to become a, a really high level guy. I'm not saying Giannis, I'm not saying Anthony Davis, but those type of of build frame archetype. Yeah, I think it's more stylistic. Like I think he is going to be worse than both of those guys, if only yeah, because that's worth betting. Like that's that's the bet, right? Yeah. Um, but stylistically, in terms of the way that he plays, it's like you take a little bit of Giannis, you take a little bit of Anthony Davis, maybe you take a little bit of Chris Bosh. Like it's a, it's like a little mishmash of all three of those guys, and that's kind of who Evan Mobley is. And I think he's great, and I think he's probably going to settle in more in the Bosh range in terms of his effectiveness as a player. But again, like Chris Bosh is a Hall of Famer, Hall of Famer. So right. that's like, a good career. This is a great career that we're projecting for Evan Mobley. I think it would be phenomenal for Evan Mobley to end up in Toronto. I think he has a better chance of reaching his ceiling if he does end up in Toronto. So that that's uh, that's where I'm at on this with the uh, Evan Mobley experience. I'm up at number five. Orlando Magic are up. I, I would still take Jonathan Kaminga. Okay, I would too. I, I thought you were going to go with, uh, with Scotty Barnes here. They have enough of what Scotty Barnes is good at. They have Chuma Okiki. They have Jonathan Isaac. The As much as I am concerned about Jonathan Kaminga, and I am, I have every bit as many worries as what the rest of the NBA world does. Because if he's a 28% shooter, he's not an NBA. He's an NBA player, but like he's more mm, he's of a four. Yeah. Um, or five. Or five, maybe, because he has that kind of energetic athleticism that would work there. And then if he doesn't get down and defend, it's a problem and teams will have to work around it. He might genuinely be a bench player if these things don't work. I'm willing to bet on the progression. I'm willing to bet on him figuring these things out. I get it. I understand that people have concerns. I'm like I legitimately think Jonathan Kaminga might fall to like 
10 on draft night is where I'm at. Is, is, is that part of the, the overthinking segment of the draft cycle, that if he goes 10? Like, shot was bad, defense wasn't great. Still has the raw tools as a prospect. We're still a year away from him dominating the EYBL and, and high school basketball through injuries. Is that just a, like a complete hand wave? I mean, is, is there anything else there at play? I, I'm I'm totally in agreement with you. He's, he's five for me, but I, I have heard the, the similar takes from kind of NBA circles that there's a chance that he slides. Yeah, so... At the end of the day, just the combination of athleticism, ability to score, ability to get to the rim, rebounding, uh, potential defensively, I think he's going to be fine. I think at the end of the day, Jonathan Kaminga is going to be fine. But he has to lock in. Like I hope that this process has been a bit of an eye-opener for him in terms of, okay, I'm going to get picked apart if I don't do the right things. Like I, I need to be better and more consistent in what I do. Yeah, and... I think you're you're heartbreaking a little bit for Scotty Barnes from from West Palm Beach, Florida, and which is about two hours from Orlando. And he would have started his Udonis Haslam tour of playing high school, college, and professionally in Florida. <laughs> but unfortunately, that's not going to happen on this podcast. Yeah. Uh, okay. You're up at number six. The I'm gonna Oklahoma take the, City I'm gonna Thunder. Take the other one. Yeah. Oklahoma yeah. City Thunder. I'm going to take Scotty Barnes here for sure. for for them because. You got to go best available, which I I thought would be Kaminga, but it's going to be Scotty Barnes. They have this is the first of their three first round picks, which allows them to take kind of a variety of guys and and varying (laughs) level of chances as well. All the intangibles and and characteristics that guys want to play with in Scotty Barnes that uh, he can guard one through five. I'm not saying he's going to guard the point guard to to start the game, but can switch a little bit there and then can bump in the post and make contact on screens. I'm not. I have hesitations with him. I understand why the the intrigue and appeal, and he's probably the best prospect, so to say, on the board. But I'm just a little bit playing devil's advocate against the choice I just made. If he is this elite defender, I'm still stuck on how he only had 11 total blocks on the year. An average four rebounds per game at his size, at his wingspan at at 7'2 plus. Uh, the jumper is is okay. We've talked about it. it looked better at, at pro day. It looked better at, in some cases at Florida State. He'll be able to do some kind of point forwardy stuff in the half court, but just really needs to put the offensive stuff to to make it catch up somewhat to the defense, and that's what the the most appealing thing is here. Oklahoma City definitely in rebuilding mode, so it's okay to to let him kind of take his lumps and play through his offensive struggles as well. I mean. I know that like the numbers say Scotty Barnes was fine scoring the basketball this year, but like when you watch Scotty go about trying to score the basketball, did you feel like it was easy for him? I don't. Even when he had like a step on those those pick and rolls, those uh, kind of like elbow pick and rolls, he'd take a step and extend. It would kind of be like a push shot or a floater. There were times that I remember that Florida game where he did. He like got on transition, got a dunk, and the next play was like feeling it. He scored it easily out of a wing isolation. It did feel like work in, in many other cases. Well, it, yes, but it's only when he's out in transition. Like that's that's where it's easy. I just feel just like play fast, then you'll be fine. Just get up and down. Just throw it. Yeah, we'll run. But like the best games, like the games that matter, are not the games that are played in transition. Like they're played in the half court. The moments that matter in the playoffs are played in half court settings. And I don't buy the shot. I'm just going to be honest. He has never shot at any level of competition, really. 
I think he's so good on defense. I think he's so good as a teammate. I think he is so good in terms of his frame, in terms of multi-positionality, in terms of his ability to handle the ball in transition, in terms of his passing ability and ability to play in a team concept, that he's going to be worth something in the vein of like the number six overall pick. But I just, there's not a, I, everyone keeps bringing up this upside, this upside that Scotty Barnes has. And I don't know that I see it quite as much as everyone else does. Well, maybe you see it, but you also see the the pieces, the layers kind of behind it. Because at, at his size and the way he moves and the long arms and the infectious personality and, and everyone saying the right things about him, maybe you overlook, or, or not you, but maybe the, the general consensus public draft people overlook the the things that held them back really at florida state and people point to minutes restrictions he came off the bench but he still bought in and florida state did with patrick williams just very different prospects but, to but me, like very different players but like patrick uh, williams was a better shot creator than scotty no barnes was last year yeah right like very Flavor. clearly so I, I don't know I, I like scotty barnes a lot i don't want to shit on scotty barnes i just find the conversation surrounding scotty barnes very interesting at this point yeah you, you feel more comfortable we're talking about him at six than we are at two or three which again somehow he's entered that conversation two through four somewhat even if it's not crazy like in depth there there have been some murmurs rumors talks about that that's too high it's still based on what's on the board i I get it. It wouldn't necessarily be my personal pick, but kind of what I think Oklahoma City would do for their first one. Okay. I'm up. I'm going Moses Moody at seven to the Warriors. Wow. Okay. That's a that's a swing. Did not have that one down. So everything about Moses Moody's game fits what the Warriors want to do. He's very switchable defensively. Uh, he gives a lot of effort. He's pretty smart in rotation on that end. So he would be able to play, I think, by mid-year this year, despite the fact that he's a teenager. Excellent three-point shooter for a team that could use uh, another floor spacer on the team, in my opinion. Uh, on top of that, he is the kind of like secondary shot creator right now that I think they could use long-term next to Stephen Curry. I think that they could use someone that is good at playing like out of a second-side ball screen, that is good at attacking a closeout, and getting into that mid-range and knocking down a shot from uh, the in-between area. I think he can do all of that. I am worried about the passing, and I think that uh, the Warriors particularly, I think, would work with him early in his career to try and improve the passing because he, he does need to get better in that regard. He needs to get better at processing the way that help defenders play him. But I think he's just kind of a perfect fit beyond that uh, defensively. In terms of being a shot maker who can like get his own shot in minor advantage situations, I'm I'm in on Moses Moody. I'm taking him seven. Seventeen games, he hit at least two shots from distance. Did shoot thirty six percent from three. I think he will get cleaner looks in the NBA as well if he's playing around those guys. They're not going to tune in on him as much as the the wings he has around him. I like the size six six seven foot wingspan. Question to you is how big is the gap then between James Booknight and Moses Moody? Because I, I kind of thought that you would go Booknight there. I had Moody slanted, slotted for Orlando next. I know Booknight has kind of been on the surge of draft boards. Was it close or was Moody the, the clear-cut guy for you there? Exceptionally close. Uh, Booknight okay. would be my second choice. And it's okay. very, very close. Very, very close. Okay. That, that's kind of what I thought. and. Similar thing here. I think that's a, a good transition for Orlando now at eight with their second pick. 
First pick, they went with Jonathan Kaminga. So now you went Moody. I am going to go with James Booknight from UConn. I know they have a good core, young core with, with Jonathan Isaac, Marco Foltz, Cole Anthony, RJ Hampton. When you get a guy that can be a, a scoring spark plug and still give them a little bit of a different look that I think can also step in right away that's ready to play, you can take that guy. Uh, his shot creation is is high level. Just he takes some really tough ones. The mid-range stuff is better. The defense isn't too bad. Now you have a, a really good young core of guys. I don't know if what they have you'll ever be able to put it all together because they are so similar, I think, in a lot of the, the ways they play and attack the, the basket. But for what he is and for everything else that's kind of like behind it, I think he probably makes the, the best fit there for them. I agree with you. I had him at nine on my personal board, not eight. I would probably take him over who my pick will be at number nine for the Sacramento Kings. But before that, let's take a quick commercial break. Okay, we're back. I'm up. And I am picking for the Sacramento Kings. I'm going to take Alper and Shingun for the oh, Sacramento man. Kings. Oh, man. I am not prepped for this. Holy smokes. You got me I'm just, backpedaling. Oh, my God. I it's am every, throwing every, every pick has been different. You did this draft guide, and you just got your mad scientist thing. I, you know what I wrote down for number nine? I'm going to try to steal thunder. So I wrote needs for everything. Shooting, secondary ball player, uh, uh, a big. I wrote Franz Wagner. I'm like, there's no way he's not taking Wagner there. But go ahead. You're, you have the floor. I think they're most likely to take Wagner. I'll say that. Okay. Like, I think that the Kings are more likely to take Wagner than Shangun, but I have Shangun at number eight on my board. And they have a significant need on the interior because there's no way that they can pay Rashawn Holmes this summer. Because Rashawn Holmes is going to get like $15 million or so. Uh, at least in my opinion, I'd be surprised. Maybe he gets like 12 or so, but they can't pay him regardless because they can't go that high. I think they can go up to like 11 million if I remember correctly. Uh, it's just a very clear, obvious pick to me. And I love the way that Shangun would fit in terms of playing in ball screens with De'Aaron Fox, who has all sorts of speed to burn. I love the way that he would fit playing ball screens with Tyrese Halliburton. Like, man, they have Buddy Heald and uh, Harrison Barnes to knock down shots from the perimeter to space out the interior for him. He could run all sorts of like dexterous dribble handoffs with those guys. Those guys opening up the floor with their shooting would create driving lanes for him because he's pretty good at like the pick and pop drive maneuver. Uh, This is is a great fit offensively, in my opinion, for the Sacramento Kings. Are they too fast for him? Is De- this might be a weird take. Is De'Aaron fast, Fox like too fast? Like you have to slow him down to to run sets with Shangun in the half court. I, I would counter by kind of, and I'm not even countering, I guess, but like I would just say De'Aaron Fox is too fast for anyone. <laughs> That's fair. That's fair. Like he's going to beat everyone down the court anyway, and he has to. De'Aaron has to slow down more than Shangun has to <laughs> speed up, does, right? Yeah. This yeah. is actually just a speed bump for you. You have yeah. to slow down to play with this guy. Okay, you're up at number ten. Wow. Tailspin right now. I've thrown New Orleans. Yeah, no, you really have. I'm I'm spiraling. They have guys like Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson. They badly need more of an open lane to attack off the bounce. Enter here. It is high. Corey Kispert from Gonzaga, one of the most well-rounded shooters in college basketball. Hits shots with his feet set on the move and transition. He's a little bit better off the bounce than give him credit for. 
yes, it is high considering age and also perceived lack of athleticism at times, despite testing being fairly good. Well, whatever the the tournament the, he had is he has lapses. He had things that, that didn't look great, especially down toward the stretch there. This is much more of a, a needs fit pick for what the Pelicans roster has rather than best available, which we did a little bit earlier. Uh, I also debated, it, it's kind of nuanced. If the Pelicans are letting Alonzo Ball walk, it could be very well be Josh Giddy. But for, for right here, right now, and today, we're going with Corey Kispert. Yeah, I have Kispert a little bit lower on my board. It's not out of like dislike for Kispert's game. And honestly, like part of me kind of regrets having Kispert below Zaire Williams, for instance. Um, that, that seems kind of silly to me thinking back on it now. Um, but I really like Corey Kispert for this team specifically. And I think it makes a lot of sense. Uh, I, I will say this. The more that I think about it, the two guys that I really, really like in New Orleans that they, I don't think they would take them. I really like Jared Butler and I really like Chris Duarte in New Orleans. Mm, I have I have Duarte high. I think that's super duper high. Butler, that that's also probably just high. You can, if you want that, you can trade back. Duarte is going to be yeah. in the middle of first round somewhere. Butler 20-ish range. Does it go to 35? Probably not, but you don't have to take him at, at 10. That's really high. Yeah, I wonder if you could like move back to like 15 and get one of those two guys because I think that they'd be really good. I think they'd be really, really good with what New Orleans wants to be going forward surrounding Zion Williamson uh, with them. But I would have Kispert relatively high on that list for them. Okay, uh, number 11, I am up. This is a tough one for me. I don't really know what I want to do here. My immediate reaction is, and I'm, I'm going to take Davion Mitchell here. Okay. And the reason is that I really like the fit between him and LaMelo Ball. Davion Mitchell played with another point guard at Baylor in the aforementioned Jared Butler. The thing that LaMelo is really good at defensively is kind of playing like the center field, free safety, like roaming role off the ball as opposed to being stuck defending on the ball all the time. The Hornets need really high-level defenders at this point still. I think putting Davion Mitchell next to LaMelo Ball would be a really good, smart move to free him up to be able to kind of do a lot of different stuff uh, on the defensive end. And I think it would free him up to not expend as much energy on the defensive end, frankly, because Davion Mitchell would get the toughest assignment guarding guards every single game. Like Devontae Graham, it seems very questionable if he'll be back, maybe is the way to put it. Uh, Terry Rozier is a free agent after this year. So they need one of these guys who can do this. I think Davion Mitchell makes a lot of sense for the Hornets. Uh, I, I would I would love him there. I, I'd like guys like Moses Moody there. I like... Uh, a few others there, like Chris Duarte would make some sense to me. But I have gone Davion Mitchell here because on top of that, Davion Mitchell, we think, can shoot, let's say, 38% from three now at least, even if it's not 44%. Uh, can get to the rim, has that athletic explosiveness that LaMelo Ball doesn't quite have, but I think it'd be a good compliment next to LaMelo to have someone who's that bursty and quick at getting into the lane. Just kind of an all-around really strong fit, I think, even if LaMelo is the guy running the show offensively. I think I've broke your brain a little bit with bigs. Like, you didn't want to take Mobley. You don't want to take a, a big here. You thought, oh, I'll take Sengun early. But I, I thought maybe Kai Jones and Sengun, I thought, would, would be at this place. I never looked at it that way with LaMelo Ball kind of 
slotting into that two-guard backcourt that Baylor was so successful at. But I get it. I'm a, I'm a little surprised, again, that you're, you're keeping me on my toes, but it helps me with my 12th pick for the San Antonio Spurs, which is a, a great scenario here where Franz Wagner somehow slips to them. I don't know if he's going to go this deep on draft night. Is that a fair assessment? Um, I, I would put his range 8 to, like, 14, something like that, yeah. Maybe we're right there. But the, yeah. you have Keldon Johnson, who's now on, on Team USA and has clearly come into his own. And for, for Franz Wagner, his, his, the knock has never been his defense. He rotates well. He switches. He has instincts to recover when he's beat and kind of gives you another sort of point forty type of bigger initiator in the half court when needed for those quick pick and rolls or reads. And the pairing there, too, I think would ultimately help a guy like Lonnie Walker, too, at his moments later in the year and seems to fit that Spurs just culture and style of buying in and doing the little things and doesn't have to be this offensive output star either based on the the other pieces that are there yeah i think that's pretty i think that makes a lot of sense like i I think that that would be it'd be one of two guys it would be franz wagner it would be josh giddy for the spurs at number uh number 12 if both those guys were yeah yeah had 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 giddy there too but if you can get uh, a bigger guy like like France that and it depends on kind of the, the Trey Jones experience too right like how yeah. much belief they have in him if he's going to turn a corner and if he's going to make a jump here too then maybe Giddy is, is the guy if you don't see that but I, I also had a, a couple shooters circled whether it's Chris Duarte or, or Corey Kispert there's a couple different ways that they can go and I, I still think they would make out well with either of those guys okay so I'm up now at number 13 with the Pacers I am going to take Josh Giddy uh Giddy okay. is. Did you not have this? I actually had this one. I was going to say. <laughs> there we prepared. go. I had Davian Mitchell and Josh Giddy. Mitchell was gone. Giddy's here. We're back on track. Okay. So the Pacers just kind of have everything. I think that they could maybe use another ball mover as much as anything. Josh Giddy is one of the smartest players in this draft, one of the best passers in this draft. Uh, I just think the fit makes sense. And on top of it, I think they should just be taking best player available. Best player on my board available for me right now is Usman Garuba. Let me rephrase. I think the Pacers should be taking the best non-center available, just mm-hmm. given the fact that they have Miles Turner, Damanis Sabonis, and Goga Bitadze, who they took two years ago in the first round, who I'm still like a little bit of a believer in, to be honest. Um, Giddy makes the most sense to me as best player available that's a non-center uh, for the Indiana Pacers. And I think that they would be ecstatic if he got to 13. Totally. You've seen his name mentioned there. It's It, it does fit. and I, I think they would sprint so, to the podium <laughs> if he yeah. got there. The pick, the, they'd say the first syllable of the uh, of the the guy before his name, they'd be writing it down, like, send it, send it, go, 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 before they change their mind. Yeah. It, it works. I, I think that's the, again, like you said, a, a dream scenario to get him there. Yeah. It's like, yeah. it's it, it makes a lot of sense, I think, for Giddy to go there. Uh, okay. Number 14, you are up with the Golden State Warriors. I've already selected Moses Moody. You went young. I'm, I'm going to go old, and I am going to go with Chris Duarte now from Oregon. Yep, good pick. You, you have both. Uh, you can argue that, that Moody is, is similar, but Duarte, despite going later in the draft, is older, and for here, I don't think it's a detriment because Golden State wants to win right now. You don't have to wait. He's he's 24. Like He's, he's ready to go. There's not going to be a a developmental swing like he has to come in and contribute for a team that's trying to win at the present time and, and not looking three or four or ten years down the road it's it's a great pick i i, I still think it, it's high but uh, as a shooter as a defender 
you step in right away. He can still be the the elder statesman and, and not have to be this guy in the locker room that's pulling up everyone that's that's younger than him. He has to play next to the best shooters of all time, and they can give him the the tricks of the trade there. Uh, I don't. I have no idea where to slot him, where he goes. I, I've heard as high as is kind of around here. Could slip a little bit lower if if people are still hung up on the age after everything we've gone through. If Golden State can get him at fourteen, that's a that's a home run for me. I think he goes somewhere 14 to 22 on draft night. Yeah. Okay. Let's take another quick commercial break, and then we're going to speed round through these uh, these non-lottery picks here. We'll be right back. All right, Penny. I'm up at 15. I really, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to take you behind the veil here. I took that quick commercial break there in order to think about 15 because I don't know what to do now. (laughs) (laughs) You probably had Duarte. They need a wing. I think you tried to trade for it about three picks ago. Yeah, uh, that's basically accurate. I think so much of this Wizards pick depends on what they do with this roster. Did they decide to keep it together? Did they decide to blow it up? I, I don't know. Uh If they decide to blow it up, my pick would be Zaire Williams. But given the fact that they have not decided to do that yet, I am going to go Trey Murphy. Because while I have Usman Garuba as the highest player remaining on my board, I think that he's a guy that is going to need like a very real role early in his career that like slots him properly. Uh, I think it's going to be easy to do that as like a low usage guy, but I would like to see him on a good team more than on a team like the Wizards that I think could go either way pretty quickly. And on top of that, like I think you want to hit this like mix with the Wizards of might be able to help now and then has real upside going forward. To me, Trey Murphy is that because of the shooting, first and foremost, just gives him a ready-made skill to step into the NBA. He's also an excellent defender. I think that's gone way underrated with him throughout the pre-draft process. His lateral foot speed and footwork is absolutely exceptional dealing with on-ball players. I do have some concerns about the ball handling, but if that ever comes along, he's going to be a really high-level player given the athleticism that he has uh, that hasn't totally been tapped into yet because he is still very nascent in being someone who is six foot nine. Uh, he wasn't this tall until he was essentially a senior in high school. So I think he's still learning how to use his body a little bit. Uh, I think he's going to be really good. I think Trey Murphy is my pick here at 15. Yeah. Intriguing. Cause Oklahoma city has two of the next three. So he was, he was kind of in that mold too. If, if they are going rebuild, uh, I'm not as high on the defense. I agree with the lateral foot speed. It's it's improving. It's getting better. It still needs to take a, another step, for lack of a better term. I do buy the shooting. Just a, a few slight tweaks in the mechanics, but he, he does show that he has some counters to it. It was always in these little pockets. He, he was never kind of this takeover guy that we need a bucket with 10 seconds left. Let's hit him in a wing iso and to create. He's yeah. kind of had other people set the table for him a little bit. But this would allow him to kind of expand and, and start to try to do more for himself there. So I, I, I do like that pick at 15. Okay. You're up. You are there at 16 with this Oklahoma City Thunder pick. I'm kind of making this Oklahoma City Thunder pick based on what I think the Oklahoma City Thunder are going to do. Is that fair? Or is that a cop-out? We're doing what we're supposed to be doing here. This is this is what <laughs> we, this is what we want to do. Okay. You're, you're throwing a, a, a wrench in this. I'm, I'm never quite sure of the... 
the context here, what we're supposed to be doing. They they need some rim protection. They have a hole in the middle. I'm not going to do this, but I'm going to do this. I'm going to go Isaiah Jackson from Kentucky. Okay. I don't I know. It's, it's okay. I think it's a bad pick, but like... Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's, it's, it's high. <laughs> I mean, look, on my on my board, I had him 23rd. Uh, this is, is 16th. He's kind of been put here because there's there's talk of him he, he shut down his stuff early uh the workout process never really happened there's rumblings he there's a high level of interest here the you put in your i, I your will say track. did he shut down his process early because i've I heard know. he's like I, been I, I, working out i really don't know that was just what kind of made mainstream media so i just ran with it yeah i'm, I'm not sure that he actually like shut it shut it down in the way that people think he did Regardless if he did or he didn't, the only current bigs on the roster are Isaiah Roby and Poku, which you pointed out. He can step in. He fits that right away. He's lower on my board. If there's belief in his shooting, which I don't necessarily see, it could be an appropriate pick. I also had Usman Garuba here as a potential pick. Uh, but you have two of the next three. So if you have if you have a pool of three guys, if you get two of them that, that you want, it's a win. Yeah, I, this this would have been Garuba central for me because I would have like I would love the fit of him and Alexei Pokashevsky together. I think that would be fantastic. Um, okay, I'm up at 17 again. I can't take Garuba here because they already have like Xavier Tillman, who's very similar in regard to what Garuba brings to the table. I think Garuba is better than Tillman, but. Like, I just don't think that you need that many guys that are good, like great pick and roll defenders who are, um, you know, on the bench, essentially, given the fact they already have Jonas Valanciunas and Jaron Jackson Jr. Uh, you don't need like another change of pace pick and roll defender. <sighs> this is gross. Uh, <laughs> Gotta do it. Yeah, I'm going Zaire Williams. And I don't think they will take Zaire Williams. But here's why I would consider it if I was the Grizzlies. I really like the idea of them taking a flyer on a guy who can be a tremendous shot creator, shot maker with size from the wing. Zaire Williams is six foot nine, has the ability to get in and out of his moves. He can get to that step back when he wants. He just needs to get much stronger. This is actually a developmental situation that I feel really confident in. Uh, the Grizzlies, like I think they would do a really good job dealing with Zaire Williams' lack of strength right now. They could pop him in the G League with the hustle for a year and let him develop and grow and mature. I really like the flashes that are in his game. I think he's going to go lower than this, by the way, too. Like I, I don't think he's going to go until the twenties. But uh, I, board? I, I have him at fifteen. I, I think the upside is very real. And he is the kind of guy that can be a genuine difference maker if the jumper comes around and if he gets stronger. If those two things happen, he has like defensive ability already. Like he cares. He plays hard on defense. He has a great attitude. Uh, he has real passing ability that he's shown in flashes. Like it's all flashes with Zaire Williams, and I get that. But the flashes are really good and they're really translatable to what works in the NBA now at six foot nine as a shot creator. So I, I don't love it, but I'm going Zaire Williams. Yeah. I, I, I really want to see more from him. When when the season opened that first game, I, I kind of saw it and said this could this could happen and then he got injured and some off the court stuff and it never even the flashes for me weren't quite enough. I have him at twenty six. I just don't know if he he does have the, all those things clicking at the same time. Even the jumper yep. just a, a little slow to get to. I, I like the length. 
I like some of the stuff he does off the bounce, but not not as high as, as you are on him. There's there's other guys that if you're committed to putting a player in the G League and waiting it out a year, the other guys that kind of had there were, were maybe like a guy like Jalen Johnson or Jaden Springer. Yeah, uh, I, I I understand why he's there. I just probably would have went a different direction. No, I get that. Honestly, like I don't know that I love the pick, but I would just given how good they've been at drafting, they have so many guys that are already in the rotation. Like they can afford to take just like a fucking huge home run swing. I feel like. And I'm going to take a huge home run swing at 18 for Oklahoma City because it's the third guy you're taking. I did have Trey Murphy. He's gone. You have the who do you take first? Scotty Barnes then because you had Kaminga went to Orlando, right? Yeah. So Scotty Barnes, we have Isaiah Jackson. Let's add a young combo that doesn't have to be a big-time contributor for day one. Let's let him develop in the G League as a long-term stock investment and go all in on Josh Primo from Alabama. Ooh, that's a big you, one. You don't need to do anything. He doesn't have to do anything the first year. You have two guys that you just drafted before. It's like the third one, Like let's, let's take a gamble. You want to take swings? Do you want to get nuts? Let's get nuts. Take him there. Your other options are... Keon Johnson, who I don't know where he goes, and we talked about that last podcast. Yeah. Maybe Jalen Johnson, who could be 10th. He could be 25th. have no idea. Trey Murphy's off the board. Sangoon's off the board. Uh, I, I like it for, for the the parts that are still there, and you, you have two picks in your pocket. That's, that's an easy one for me. Not even a hard pick. Yeah. I mean, we just have drastically different evaluations on Josh Primo. Like, it is what it is. And... I don't even think you're wrong. It's it's just very early in his developmental process. So, so let's uh, develop it. Let's take some time. See you in two years. Send him away. Go to the G League. Come back in two years when you're 15 pounds stronger and can go more off the bounce. So, what do you think his upside is? I, I guess is I guess is what I would ask. Uh, beyond just the age, I, I just buy the well-rounded game of the scoring, the facilitating that we saw. I, I, the shot's going to get better and improve when he did have opportunities to, to play more time on the floor. I know he had the, the lapses of five or six turnovers early in the year. thought the improvement of his development was, was very apparent and just keeps getting better. And, and I was, as, as much as we can poop on the, the combine and say there wasn't stuff out of there, if he's legitimately a combo that can facilitate and create, it feels right. It feels right at, at number 18. Yeah, I think it's a reasonable – if you're going to take a gamble, it's not the gamble I would take. But if you think he has real upside as an on-ball creator, I get it to an extent. You right. want to, you want to, you you want to not. That's it's all right. That's that's why we're that's why we're here. There's there's some difference in opinion. I, I'm definitely way higher. I've been higher yeah. for a while. I'm, I'm I'm sticking to my guns. I know I might be crazy. If you have, it's it's different though for me. If I'm picking for Oklahoma City, I have three picks. I'm allowed to be crazier than if I just have one pick in the first round. Yeah, that's definitely true. Okay, at 19, I'm going Usman Garuba. Finally, I finally get to take Usman Garuba, and it makes. Me <laughs> Uh, I have him at number 11 on my board. I am. This would be an enormous steal for the Knicks, in my opinion, at number 19. The Knicks are, I think, probably going to lose Nerlens Noel in free agency just because it's really hard for them to retain him unless they really want to dive deep into their cap space. Not deep, but I think it's going to cost real amount of money to retain him in their cap space. Uh, Mitchell Robinson is already on this team. Mitchell Robinson is really effective as a rim protector. This would be kind of the perfect compliment next to Mitchell Robinson or you know off the bench with Mitchell Robinson early in his career as an elite level pick and roll defender 
who is versatile, who can do a lot of different schemes, provide a lot of different coverage uh, looks to opposing offenses. He needs to shoot it. Like, the offense has to get better. But I think Garuba is currently the best defensive player in this draft right now, if we are speaking today. And I would take him at number 19. I would love to have taken him earlier than this, but uh, it's... Like, imagine how... you know how much Tom Thibodeau loves Taj Gibson? Like, oh, yeah. This is, this is that. Yeah. This yeah. is that, but with more upside defensively than Taj has. And, and just younger. I mean, I know he's been in the Real Madrid system forever, but you still kind of scratch the surface of what he could be as an offensive player. I, I don't think it's close. The, the defense is, is wild in a good sense and just a crazy amount of energy and, and motor that also Coach Thibodeau really values and the franchises start to value since he's gotten over there. I guess my uh, my question to you is when you watched the, the FIBA game, just real quick, Sure. Did, did you take anything out of there that said this guy should go up 10 spots? I know he scored a couple of buckets early, and, and he was fine. He switched. He guarded Durant. He guarded some posts. He guarded some wings, some guards. Did, did that do anything for you, or you were kind of already set on what he was as a prospect and just more reinforced than I opened anything? Um, Definitely more reinforced, if only because it was still on an international court where the court is still a bit more condensed than – if it was like an NBA court and guys are spacing out to like 26 feet and he really has to guard out on an island. Like he did a really good job, I think, switching out onto guards. I think he did a good job switching out onto some of those like wing players. But it's still not quite the same in international ball, even with the increased athleticism of guys like, you know, Damian Lillard that you have to go out and switch out onto versus, oh, yeah. different, you know someone over in Europe like Shane Larkin or someone like that, right? Uh, no disrespect to Shane Larkin, who's one of the best guards over in Europe, or like Alexi Schwed or something like that. It's just a little bit different when you're on Damian Lillard, but it's still not quite the same as the NBA court because the NBA court is just a different beast in terms of spacing and in terms of how far it takes your help defenders to get over there and how likely it is that they're able to get over there. So it more reinforced. It, it didn't change anything for me, I would say. Fair. I, I was the same. I, he still got hit with a couple screens and was out of position. I didn't move him up or down. I thought it, it was kind of what we had him at. But it yeah. seems like some people are, are just like, oh, wow, you can do this. Like, well, it's kind of what he does. It's kind of his deal. Well, I will say, like, NBA personnel getting to see him out there was valuable because they weren't able to go over there to Europe this year and see him. You know, like. Uh, yeah, yeah. Get, getting eyes on a prospect is much different than watching film, as we've learned many times over. Right. So, uh, number 20, you're up. I'm up. So, I'm going to throw it back to you. It's still my pick, but Atlanta Hawks, we, we saw the report of Onyeka Kongwu labrum injury out for six to eight months. Does that factor into my pick here or not? The only way it would is if they decide to move John Collins in restricted free agency, I think. Are we in the world where it's not doing that? I, I think we have to do right here, right now. Unless you said you, you, you need a big, then I would go Kai Jones, but for more or less a, a Kind of backup, point guard, combo guard, best on board. I think I would go with Cam Thomas here. Okay. I, I don't hate that. I, I wouldn't take Cam here, but I understand the upside, and I think that the Hawks can afford to take a swing. I don't know what it looks like with, with Trey Young or how you play them together. He Cam is a, a very talented shot creator. He can space out defenses even more. There's also, beyond the need for a big, probably a backup point guard. I don't know if he's necessarily a point guard. But I, I just can't get myself to pass on Cam Thomas for a guy like maybe Miles McBride. I think you may have slotted there, who I just have 
know, about 10 spots lower than, than I do for Cam. I had the guy I'm going to take at 21 slotted there. Um, I would go Jared Butler for them. Ooh, okay. And I'll, I'll go Jared Butler at 21, and we'll talk a little bit about Jared Butler now. Uh I think that Tibbs would love Butler, to be honest. Uh, another guy that is responsible defensively, more so than like a great defender, I think. Like, you know, I've mentioned a few times that I don't understand the all Big 12 defense love for Jared Butler, but I think he's a responsible defender who's going to be in the right spots. Uh, on top of that, just a real shot creator for a team that really needs a shot creator. I mean, he's an absolutely excellent pull up shooter, an absolutely excellent uh ball handler who can create his own shot uh can get to the rim he's a three-level scorer has a floater game has the ability to pull up from 25 feet and beyond he made 48 percent of his threes this year from outside of 25 feet like jared butler is really good jared butler is really 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 good uh yeah this is a this is an easy one if i'm the knicks actually if he's on the board yeah break my heart so i had a 22 to the Los Angeles Lakers, need a point guard, need a scorer, need a shooter, have some depth up front. Uh, Chris Duarte has been talked about here for the goal, but he's long gone in, in this exercise. Need a point guard that can probably be done through free agency. I'm going to hedge the bet here and go best available for a guy that was a month ago about 15 spots higher and slot in Keon Johnson from Tennessee. Yeah, I think this is a good pick. Yeah, anywhere with Keon at this point is the right spot, basically. Uh, explain why you like Keon here. Uh, I just believe that as a slashing wing, he pairs with what, what they have on the roster. He helps them on the defensive end to, to close games. It The rest of the guys that are that are still here, and I sound like a little bit of a broken record, he, he plugs in a little bit more immediately. I know the development's going to have to come on the offensive side of the ball, but with the, the high-level all-stars that they have there, there's not going to be a, a crazy expectation level for him to be the guy like he would if he was drafted in the top 10. So even maybe for his case, I know financially it's a big swing to go 22 and not 12 but a situation a scenario where he can grow into the player he would have to be and it doesn't have to be rushed yeah i I like this quite a bit for them i I think that he's the kind of guy that makes sense for them given how much they care about the defensive end also alex caruso is a free agent this year and they need someone who can defend uh in the backcourt it would help if that person could also shoot which keon can't do but (laughs) not there we can't have it all in the 20s can't have it all in the 20s okay 23 kai jones just high upside swing for the rockets yeah it it, i'm telling you like if he doesn't go to that thunder picket 16 it it get or 18 let's say it gets so complicated so fast for him like teams a team will have to move up to get him basically and i think they would very strongly consider it if we're being honest uh moving up to get him because the upside is so high but yeah given the way that the order slots right now I think it gets relatively difficult to find the home for him uh, in this draft in the teens. Yeah, it's it's tough because now I, I have them at, at 24. And is Kai Jones a, a best best on the board or a fit thing for you? Best on the board. For the Rockets, they're they're taking best on the board. I think I, I don't their their team does not have enough to consider fit. Uh, okay, <laughs> we're not considering fit because it was then maybe a point guard, maybe go Deuce McBride. But the slide, if we're we're going all in on going all in, I'm going to go Jalen Johnson from Duke at 24. Yep, score big wing, 
very good transition when he can can run and, and make plays. Definitely struggled with Duke in the half court during the year. The numbers look better than the tape, which we've discussed, and the, the really kind of true games that he stood out were Coppin State and Pittsburgh. I don't know if Duke basketball-wise was necessarily the best fit for him. There's a lot of question marks following his game, but at 24, the, the talent is far superior to the, the pick and the slot. If you have Jalen Green, you took two. You have Kai Jones, you took 23. Another kind of pick that you, you can afford to, to take a chance because you don't need all three to hit and be starters and pan out to, to have it still be a successful draft. And I'm not trying to undersell Jalen either because he could end up being this kind of top 10 talent and some places have him in the teens. If he slides 10 spots to, to 24, does he end up kind of being this Michael Portery type slide where if you redraft it, he would go higher? Very possible. Very, very possible. Okay, number 25, the Los Angeles Clippers. I'm going Deuce McBride here. I'll be honest, I think there's a real case for the Clippers to just stash this pick uh, or to try and trade down. Like, honestly, if I was the Clippers, we're not doing trades in this exercise. If I was the Clippers, I would trade down to the top of the second round. Like, I would think that Orlando would probably give you 33 and like two future seconds in order to get back in at 25. I would rather do that if I was Orlando than, and I would rather do that if I was the Clippers than pick at 25 because I think you're probably getting a pretty similar kind of player at 33 as you are at 25, but you're reducing your salary cap hit by about 1.4, 1.3 million, plus potentially saving twice that in luxury tax. Which the key though is the cap because if they want to make like a big free agency splash and it seems like they're considering it, they are in a place where genuinely like they need to consider every single dollar. Uh, and how much that would get them up against the sign-and-trade hard cap. So uh, I I would trade this pick, but given that I'm not trading it because that's not this exercise, (laughs) I would take Deuce McBride because they need a high-level on-ball pressure defender, and they need a guy who can create a little bit of offense in the backcourt. So I I think Deuce is like actually a perfect fit for them. I thought you'd take a a few maybe international draft and stash guys here if you haven't, but I'm at 26 at Denver. Get to choose another one of my guys best remaining wing score type and that for me is nashawn bones highland from vcu yeah i dig that that makes sense to me they could use one yeah you use another score it's at 26 it's not as crazy as going 19 like what he can do off the bounce does have to get better passing but he he can score he can fill it up play him 12 to 15 minutes a night and, and build from there as he gets stronger the game could develop more i really like his handle i really like his story he's going to work so for for 26 bones is my guy okay uh number 27 the brooklyn nets i'm going Jaden springer uh they Mm, need perimeter defenders in such an enormous way i really like Jaden springer Uh, i have him at 20 on my board uh this would be a really great fit just all around kind of a kind of a sensible selection for a brooklyn team that uh, is competing for a title now and i think they could use his infusion of on-ball defense honestly this year even if the rest of his game i think is going to take some time yep i i agree with that and at 28 the the rapid fire portion of our show philadelphia the roster they were probably a couple injuries and and bad bounces away from competing for a championship here and there uh they 
could draft a guy. I initially said take a guy that needs some time or a draft and stash, but again, not necessarily that argument. Stuff's off the board. I'm going to go with Io Desunmu here. That's who I had in my mock draft. Oh, God. He took this long pause, which we edited out, but I'm like, what is this guy thinking? He's going to crush it. What are we doing? Uh, Defender. This guy. (laughs) What do you say that offline? Uh, Unbelievable season at Illinois. Definitely fell short, but went back to school, got better, jumper improved, did more stuff off the dribble, facilitated, did whatever they wanted him to do. Still has that, that veteran type of leadership and will bring that type of charisma to the locker room we'll give it a a, a jolt in the the body too from an energy perspective so it it made sense for taking a a guy there that's that's been through some battles in in his league and his conference and mold back down from competition in philadelphia all right another pick that i actually have in the mock i had sharif cooper to the phoenix suns at number 29 uh sharif cooper this is they still have the chris paul situation to deal with which is a whole other can of worms but on top of that they're also potentially going to lose campaign this summer as well and pain was actually really important to them so go get another high level creator even if chris paul stays which like let's be honest probably likely at this point given what we know at least uh they still need a future point guard at the end of the day and sharif cooper uh has the kind of playmaking ability that would be very worth it at number 29 like his upside if you believe in his jump shot i honestly believe that you should have him in the top 14 or so like top top 12 even yeah we we said it all year once we were blinded a little bit by the facilitating playmaking the first few games of the year when the jumper came out it's like i don't i don't know what this looks like also, just selfishly, that would be an unbelievable watch with him in Phoenix. Like, you thought that Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, pick and rolls look good. His stuff would be, like, magician-level type of passes and flair and creation. And then you have Devin Booker in the corner to space it out. Uh, I do like that that fit. And Chris Paul's there, great. If he's not, that's fine, too, at, at 29, because you can go out and get a, a bigger guard free agency if you're worried about him being your full-time starter. Okay, give me number 30, Penny. Oh, this is for draft Twitter. I'm going all in on this. As I've gone in a few times, I'm going to take JT Thor from Auburn. Love it. G- give me the takes. Give me the hot take. He's, he, he's a spurts guy. There's there's no denying he's a spurts guy. I, I like what he's done as a potential stretch for fairly fluid in transition and off the bounce. Needs a, a strength and conditioning program to get where he needs to be, ultimately, as a prospect. Does look like he's put on a little bit of size during the pre-draft. Had some good buzz there as measurables. What his workouts look like for Utah? You can you can take a, a gamble there too. And highest, and this is so cliche, but the, st- for what the guys are left, and I'm like combusting here. Still the highest upside that's on the board if he reaches what he could be. So to to get that guy at at 30, that's a, a win for the Utah Jazz. All right, give me uh, give me some takes. How do how do you think this went here, Penny? Oh man, he threw my head early. I mean, I, I, we battled back. There, there weren't any guys. Who's the highest player you had that went undrafted? It, it kind of fell in line. And I think my twenty-eight, twenty-nine, thirty-one didn't get picked, but the rest were all uh, varying orders of it. But they still got all got selected. Yeah, twenty-eight's the highest. It looks like uh, Herb Jones is the highest. None of my yep. twenty-eight through thirty got picked. Yeah, I had Herb Jones. Did you take Trey Man? I did not. No, he didn't okay, go. Okay, so Trey Man, Herb Jones. Uh, I have Wieskamp higher than most. He didn't go. Yep. Uh, for for bigs, you had Dayron Sharp, Jeremiah Robson Earl, wing scores, BJ Boston, Josh Christopher, Quentin Grimes. Those are the ones that kind of 
jump out to me. Yeah, the three guys could be there, just didn't make it. The three guys that you took that were not first round grades for me, because obviously I'm going to take first round grades because they're my picks, right? Correct. Um, Bones, who I have at 31, so you know makes sense. (laughs) Primo, who I have at 34, so makes sense. And then I'm just lower on JT Thor. I'm at oh, give me all three of those. That's great. Yeah, I'll you're, take those guys. You are uh, you're you're going to be a draft Twitter legend. I don't think so. They don't they don't like me over there. Too mainstream. Too mainstream. Yeah, <laughs> Matt Matt Penny with his fifteen hundred followers has gone too it. mainstream That's at it. this point. No, uh, just uh, here's the difference though. It's not sometimes other other places will just take bigger swings. I, I I'm I just mean it from a sense of that. It's just not. Yeah. I don't have Joe Wieskamp twelfth. I don't have Zaire Williams fifth. That's all. It, it's different. It's good. I'm, I'm glad to see it different places. But my stuff. I think it kind of falls more in line with with your way of thinking. Nothing too crazy off the grid, but there's still some some balance, I guess, in where the guys end up. Yeah, like I feel like my swings this year are Suggs at two, uh, Moses Moody at seven, probably. Uh, who else? Where Where else am I swinging? Probably Zaire Williams at fifteen is going to be a pretty big swing. Yeah. By the time that he goes, Jared Butler at seventeen is a pretty big swing. That's probably it. Right, and then J- like on that. the other side, like JT Thor being as low is probably a pretty swing, pretty big swing compared to other people. I have Suggs too on my personal board. I just didn't like it as much. Two for the Rockets per se. The other guys, I, Zaire, I had twenty sixth. I said uh, Butler just a little bit lower than that, and he he has a wide range too. And it'll be based on fit. It's, it's we're not going to get them all right. Yeah. Okay. Penny, uh, as is typical this month. Please shout out a couple guys that you saw this weekend or this oh, week yeah. in oh, AAU yeah. games. N- not super prepared for this, but I, I obviously I, I watched enough basketball in the gym despite fighting fires and altercations. The first guy I'll mention is Caleb Foster, 2023 combo guard from Team Curry, six foot four. Not always the the biggest scorer because he, he's playing up an age group and up a division but his his talent has always kind of shined through off the bounce making plays passing facilitating defending a little bit but he turned it on this weekend more than i've ever seen as a scorer he had a very good season high school season at oak hill academy and on tv he had a couple 20 point games but on the under armor circuit he just didn't really fill it up he had 30 points in a game and he was hitting threes from pull up and going off pick and roll, getting the lane, stepping back, hitting mid range. He just showed more levels to his games than we would previously seen. And he's already kind of a, a top ten, top fifteen guy with with blue bloods tracking. But it was the first time I kind of saw that maybe this was a guy for down the road, not now, more of a, a pro radar guy that I thought of in the past. Love that. Love that, Matt Penny. Yes. Another Anything? we'll do another. We'll do Yeah, please uh, go I, ahead. Isaac Trout from Nebraska Supreme, 6'9", 6'10", kind of combo forward, was was known a little bit more as a, a shooter than, than he showed, but just a very rock-solid all-around game, very smart, probably a multi-year college guy, but you can use him because of his offensive versatility in different sets, very good in, in dribble handoffs, can do pick and roll, can pop to spread the defense, makes good reads off the dribble too when he faces up and squares up and uh, on a very well-coached team and they do a great job getting him the ball in places to be successful which sounds crazy but in grassroots sometimes that happen and, and he also has all the all the big boys tracking him the the local schools in the area and then a lot of the ACC Big Ten so our head coach traffic for many of the uh, two of the weekends has been because of him 
Love it. Okay. Have you watched any movies in your travels? Not a single one. I tried to watch one on the way to, don't know where I was going, Dallas. And I put on Together Together on the plane with Ed Helms. Mm-hmm. And the lady two rows in front of me was watching it. And I got too distracted because she was 10 minutes ahead of me. And I, I couldn't do it. I, that, I know it's like such a cop out, but that's a, a crawl into my brain. I, I couldn't watch it because the lady in front of me was. And I was like looking at that scene. I said, I got to focus on work. <laughs> so I've just been I've just been sending out scouting reports and prepping for this week. I, I promise, once the draft is over in a week, I'm going to be on my my movie and, and TV grind. I'm I'm sorry to let you down and say I actually haven't. Love it. It's okay. It's okay. Well, uh, but you you have though, so I do want to hear what you've watched. I've only watched three movies uh, over the course of the last week, so all pretty good, uh, all led by women. Uh, so I watched Quiet Place Part Two. Which, oh, how was that? I, I, I saw the first one in the theaters, really liked I was interested in part two. Yeah, really fun. Uh, different in terms of like structure, narratively, than part one. Like It's not just a rehash. I liked it. I thought it was really well executed. Uh, the first ten minutes are like your heart is like beating out of your chest like it's <laughs> yeah that's that, that's a postseason watch did you see that in the theater no i didn't we're locked down right now i can't go to theaters okay well you've watched in your own home theater that's a good yeah. spin god when we were looking into a house well, one of the things we were debating was can we find a room that we can convert into a home theater <laughs> you, you got to do the the college move that we did on on Hobart Lane. We put a sheet on the side of uh, the building and a projector. Yeah, and that was the that was the theater. That might be the move at some point on the back. Yeah, of our house. I, I don't know. I think we're older. I think we're too old for the sheet on the side of the house move. But time and place was perfect. Okay, and then I watched uh, Till Death, which is a Megan Fox like. How would I refer to this? Like a horror problem solving thriller movie. Um, really good. She was really good. The script was okay. I would say. Uh, Megan Fox is back, though. This is this is a thing. Oh, she's been back. I don't think she left. Okay, and then finally, she well, she she wasn't like in entertainment for a while. Like it felt like after she was in New Girl, she went away for a couple years. Okay, that's a fair assessment. Yeah. Um, yeah, she's very back, and she's very good until death. Uh, okay, finally, I watched Gunpowder Milkshake on Netflix. Oh, who is in that? It is Karen Gillan, Lena Headey, uh, Carla Gugino, Michelle Yeoh, and uh, Angela Bassett are the five yeah, like leads. Yeah, controlled by it. Yeah. I, I mean, look, it was basically a movie that was made for me. I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. You're listening. I hear you. I feel seen. Yeah, just like th- thank you to all of the people who made this movie. Uh, I believe, I believe Navat uh, Papashado made it. Uh, I believe that he also wrote it along with Ehud Lavsky. Just thank you, guys. Thank you. I, I appreciate it. It is. I mean, like what? Like, do you do you not want to watch like Karen Gillan and Lena Headey and Carla Gugino just like absolutely? kill like a bunch of these dudes i mean it's amazing it's <laughs> clearly you do yeah it's a per out. it's like a perfectly stylized action dumb movie it's i, I loved it so much i i, I want like checks all the boxes rave reviews on letterbox yeah please like make five of these movies like i, <laughs> I don't know netflix will man like there's just that formula of, of sequels franchises yep comic books they don't stray too much off the the path that they've been down here for the last Man, I feel like it's going on a decade now. Yeah, like 
I've seen like some self-serious letterbox reviews that are like, oh, this movie is so dumb. It's derivative. <laughs> Guys. Correct. Like. You're right. You're right. It is. Who cares? It's a fun movie where Karen Gillan and Lena Headey like just absolutely kill people in a really fun stylized way. Like if you're not into that, don't watch the movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I do. <laughs> you, know, you, you know what you're walking into. Don't be surprised when you order something for dinner and it comes out. Like, that's what you ordered. That's what you wanted. You clicked on the movie. It came on. This, this is what you expect. Don't don't think it's going to be something different than what it is. Yeah. What are we doing? Okay, Penny, it's almost pasta time for you. You have to go down and get dinner. Oh, it is. Pasta, Caesar salad, getting the, uh, the carb loading ready for three days of fun. Um, thankful humbled always to to share this space with you and all the great articles that you've posted on the athletic that i actually do read i I haven't got to the comments yet that'll probably be a a good little venture for me to do later on oh don't read the comments just don't yeah i mean i've tried to avoid them and i can't do it because i am nothing if not uh predictable so (laughs) penny tell the people where they can find you on the internet I'm on Twitter, Matt underscore Penny, and, and probably back here in a week with our mediocre draft takes on uh, highs and lows over unders, which which I love. I'm I'm really excited about that one. Okay, I wrote team needs uh, for today. I wrote mock draft and the uh, draft guide. That's what that's called for yesterday. I have skill set superlatives coming up, which is basically ranking like the best players in the draft at specific things like ball handling, catch and shoot threes, live dribble passing, all that fun stuff. Uh, then next week, I'm going to have another mock draft. I'm going to have a few other fun things. So keep it locked here and at The Athletic. Please go subscribe. Like it, It's a fun time to be there. We've got some crazy like SEC expansion rumors. We've got uh, the NHL expansion draft, which our NHL team absolutely destroyed. Like, please just go subscribe. It's a really good time. Just make sure that you click my article first before subscribing. That would be nice. <laughs> click on this uh, link. You want to do the comments? This is what the comment cost is. You gotta gotta be a part of the community. <laughs> uh, okay, Penny. That's all I've got though. So until next time, we will talk soon. Bye.